Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. You know, this, uh, uh, this series that we've been in over the last number of weeks, uh, if you've been here, uh, is uh, called Move Again. Uh, hence the song goes really well with it. And, you know, we have uh, began each week by... Uh, taking a, a, a story, something from uh, history or from scripture where, where, where God's moved in the past. And so uh, I want to start this message uh, in, in the same way, except this one is pretty recent history, so not going back to like early 1900s or earlier or anything, anything like that, and it's as personal as well. And so uh, we're going to go back to the year 2017. I know so long ago, hey. Um, it was pre-COVID, though, so, you know, maybe the world feels like a bit of a, bit of a different place, right? But we're going to go back to 2017, uh, and the place we're going is, is a little bit of a, seems like a random place, but uh, the place is called Mount Hagen, and it's actually in the highlands of uh, Papua New Guinea, so uh, in 2017, uh, November, uh, I was there and I was, I was traveling with a, uh, a couple of people, including uh, the national chairman of our denomination, Pastor Ross Abraham. We were, uh, me and these other two guys were basically just tag-alongs because uh, Pastor Ross was preaching at this conference and he's like, do you want to come? And we're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so um, Mount Hagen is a bit of a, is a, bit of a rough place. In PNG, yeah. There's a photo here. This is actually how good is the internet these days, by the way. This is the I couldn't remember where we stayed, but it's like Google hotel in Mount Hagen. Trust me, there's not many. Flick through Google images. Oh yeah, that looks like the one. And so this is actually a picture from. Can you believe it? This is Google Street View in Mount Hagen, the PNG Highlands. Anyway, this is from inside the hotel. As you can see. I didn't, actually, I didn't know this before I went. I also didn't tell Rachel until I got home. But this hotel is surrounded by three-meter concrete walls, um, not pictured, but in the corners there are literal guard towers with guards with, you know, AK-47s uh, guarding the hotel. And then there's a security door that comes, you know, it comes across when the cars or the buses come in and then, and then closes again, right? So Mount, Mount Hagen's a fairly, um, fairly crazy place. Anyway, it was in this place... Uh, maybe fairly random, that uh, God started to speak to me about uh, moving from where we were in Sydney uh, to Western Australia. And speaking of Google, this is not a plug for Google, but, you know, if they wanted to send some cash our way, then that would be, that would be fine, straight into legacy, of course. Um, but um, speaking of Google, I, I, I saw like this, this vision. Have you ever been on, um, on Google Earth and you, you start out at space and you start to like, you know, like zoom in on the globe. And so I saw God show me this, this picture. It's like it started in outer space and started to zoom in on, then you could see the globe, zoom in a bit more, see Australia, zoom in a bit more um, and see, see Western Australia, and then zoom in a little bit more and to this place called Mandra. And we, as our family had had some connection to WA, Rachel and her family had lived in Bustledon for a number of years. Um, but Rachel had said, there is no way I'm ever moving back to Western Australia. 
and then here we are today. She, she also said when she was younger, there's no way I'm ever marrying someone called Martin because she'd known an annoying one, and look, here we are today. So, so don't say, never say never, you know what I'm saying, right? So, um, but anyway, uh, W was totally left a field for us, but we knew that God had somewhere that we would step into the next season of our life and, and, and lead a church. And so, you know, a little bit personal here, this is actually from um, my journal when I was uh, in PNG. By journal, I mean notes on my iPhone, and I haven't had any iCloud catastrophes. So I have a lot from, um, from previous years, but this is 28th and 9th, 2017. And this is what I wrote. Um, I said, the theme of dream and vision is coming through so strong for me, and I do feel like Mandra is becoming stronger and stronger. I feel like I could give the rest of my life to see INC, that's our denomination we're a part of, and elevation flourish in WA. Then I wrote, God, I pray that you move on Rachel's heart and speak to her about WA if this is what you have for us. I don't want to let fear of failure stop us from stepping out. I do, I do feel like there's vision starting to get a hold of me, and that will be somewhere else by the time our elders starts high school. So that was 2017. Fast forward through uh, a long journey, different circumstances. But in 2018, uh, about November, we thought we were coming to Mandra to plant a a church from from scratch. And um, I was coming over to to check out venues to hire because it's really random ringing from Sydney saying, hey, we're a church that hasn't started yet, but we'd also like to rent your hall for like every Sunday for the next five years. What do you you reckon? And the only interest I had in Mandra was the Greyhound racing track. (laughs) And I wasn't from Mandra, so I'm like, yeah, that could work. And then I'm in Mandra, no, that cannot work. But anyway, um, so, so it came over and... At that time, Pastor Jeff Woodward, who's the uh, senior pastor of Metro Church, uh, which is, this church was a location of that, said, hey, when you get over here, uh, when you get off the plane, come and meet me and we'll, we'll have a chat. And so I met him, we had a chat, and he said, uh, literally said this, he said, God's been waking me up in the night over the last couple of weeks, and I feel like we're supposed to transition the church in Mandra to you guys. And he basically finished it with, um, he's like, so there you go, what do you think about that? I'm just like whoa, like this, this is crazy. Still had two nights booked at, you know, the Siebel in Mandra, so came down. Darren Warby drove me around, who we'd, I'd never met before but had connection with family. And then, and then the, the, rest is, <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. We took on the church first weekend of February 2019, and then we had three weeks of preview services, did a quick fit where we painted, changed carpet, updated things, and then had the official launch here Feb 24th, 2019. And, you know, God moved and is continuing to move over my life personally in that, uh, over that journey, many ways and many stories. I am convinced and still am that God brought not only us, but all of us here for, as the Bible said to Esther, for such a time as this. You know, and you could insert your story. I'm looking around and seeing faces and knowing, uh, and knowing, you know, anyway, I won't start going stories because then I'll leave out someone or I'll spend the rest of the time going through, hey, this person was from here and God brought them and all that. But what we'd love to do is just get a few snippets of how God has worked and the impact of, uh, through God, through this church, into people's lives. So we're going to do that with two people. So I'm going to invite Michelle Hartland uh, to the stage. We can put our hands together and welcome Michelle. Uh, I think Michelle, Tim, and the girls came the first Sunday after the official launch, but I don't want to steal the start of hers, so go for it. Oh, hang on, the glass. 
Justice on, thank you. Um, well, as we all know, Mandra's a really, really small place. So the funny thing was that we actually knew that they were coming to town as they arrived. And um, this, is, this is how our journey goes. So five years ago, we heard about this lovely family that had just moved to Mandra to pastor the new local, or to pastor the local community church in Hall's Head. At the time, we were at a bit of a crossroads because our children becoming teenagers um, and the church that we were currently attending, there was only six of them. So there was the adults behind and these six little kids in front and we were all sort of talking about, you know, what's our next step with our children as they become teenagers? And it's quite nerve-wracking because, you know, you want your children to follow, um, you know, God's faith and and be part of that journey. Um, So... We decided to have a little bit of a family conversation on the way home from church that day and we explained to the kids that there was this new family that were, you know, here to pastor a church in Mandra and it was a small church but we thought maybe we should go and just have a look. Now, for those of you who know me, (laughs) I'm born and and bred Baptist girl, so very traditional (laughs) and it was a little scary putting my hands in the air but anyway... um, so <laughs> we turned up at this church and uh, we, were, we were welcomed with open arms. Um, we came in and, um, hi Elise at the back there, Trinity walked in the door and her and Elise just hit it off. And I think for Marty and Rach and for Tim and I, we were sitting there going, oh my goodness, I think just for both these girls to be of similar age, have God in their lives and um, families that love them. So that was really beautiful. And then Amelia took off with Alana and Ben and um, before we knew it, we were the last leaving the church. So on the way home, we had that... Oh, actually, I wrote this in here. I thought this was quite funny. The highlight for Tim and I were that Rachel and Marty accepted us because we were a little bit older. So we were just like, we've got this. <laughs> so um, we decided from that day driving home, the kids actually said to us, we've just had the best time. Now, you know what? That, that just... A thousand words behind that. That's just God's doing. So we look back at these past years and this has been our journey um we got to rekindle relationships and also meet new people and develop friendships within this church that has been an amazing journey um elevation has given us so much and we have really enjoyed being on this journey with marty and rach um as carols by the sea became a thing in Mandra, and you only have to look back at the numbers that we had in December. It was incredible. Her tribe, having the, our girls play in the band with the musicians, um, the youth, the numbers going from single digits. Where's Jackie and Chris? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm talking single digits. Hey, Elise, it was like you and Trin and you and Trin. So... <laughs> We grew it from there. (laughs) Um, But you know what? No, we as a team prayed for Jackie and Chris to grow with young people, which was amazing. Um, You know, probably one of the most exciting things for me is as the wall moved, as the quick fit outs happened, I got excited over the new chairs being ordered. So I know that's really silly, but that was my little thing. So um, having those chairs come. And um, you know what? The whole journey in itself has just been... It's, it's all God. He Honestly, he's blessed us. Um, we rode COVID out 
and as a church, as a small business owner in Mandra, as, you know, even watching my husband, all the things he had to do through the journey, homeschooling kids, well, we didn't really, but we did. So, um, <laughs> I think you're supposed to be online about now. Um, but that whole journey, you know, I think that tested all of us. And what I saw out of that was growth in the church. Um, so, you know, Marty, when you turned up on my doorstep <laughs> with a can of Coke <laughs> and a cappuccino for my husband and just wanted to pray for us and I burst into tears because I hadn't seen anyone in two weeks. Um, it was just so special. But as a pastor, he knew. God tapped him on the shoulder and said, can you just do a little drive past the Heartland's house, put a can of Coke on the front door <laughs> and a cappuccino for the husband and just, we're praying for you. Um, yeah. That is community, that is church. So what did we teach Marty and Rachel? <laughs> okay, so we taught Marty and Rachel that here in the West, sausages go in buns, not in bread. <laughs> and what did you teach us from the East? You taught us that there's more than just a cappuccino. There's this little thing called a piccolo. So, <laughs> so let's just say... Um, Almost five years. Our five-year anniversary is next week with this church. But um, five years ago, we drove away and we knew that God had blessed us, has blessed us with a new home, new friendships, a place where our teen teenagers, now young adults, could develop their walk in Christ. Marty and Rachel, Chris and Jackie, you gave everything to come on this journey and walk in faith we, the Heartland family, and many others here today, just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done and brought to Mandra. Amazing. Thank you, Michelle. I'm going to invite uh, Tobin Edison. Uh, we're going to... We're going to fast forward a few years. Uh, how's it going, guys? I'm Tobin. Uh, we've been here, it's almost two years. Oh, I think it is two years. It's, I was just saying to Chris, it's going to be hard to live up to what, what the Heartlands said just now. But um, So, yeah, I'll start from the beginning. So, you know, back in, I used to live in the northern suburbs of Perth. So I'd been at that old church of mine for 10 years or so. So moving down here two years ago was a big, big change, big transition. And, you know, it was very, very difficult to, you know, get some mates down here and, you know, get traction and move on with my, with my life, you know, especially as a teenager, like. So, you know, we moved down here and looking around for a church and we stumbled, stumbled upon this church and I was welcomed by, by Chris and Jackie, you know, to, to the youth ministry. And that was great, you know, so I came to the youth as a, you know, as a participant, as like someone who came to the youth and then they were like, how, how would you like to be on the youth team? So I was like, yeah, sick, you know. <laughs> so yeah, now, now I'm on the youth team and, you know, a youth leader and that's great. It's just awesome, you know, I get to see all these people, you know, coming through the church and, you know, more, more and more young people being changed and transformed and, you know, I spoke earlier in the year about the youth camp, that was awesome, you know, just saying... <laughs> Just seeing people just being moved and transformed and stumbling back and, you know, all sorts under the presence of God. It was just great. Um, yeah, I also want to thank um, Marty and Rachel, you know. So we came here and one of the first things we did as a family, we were invited by them to their house to, you know, have dinner. And 
I think it's very, very humble move of them, you know. It's great, it's great that they're just humble enough to, to welcome us as new people to the church. So I'm very grateful that they, you know, welcomed us into their home and we could sit down and have dinner with them, talk about what our plans are. But yeah, I'm just very grateful. And, you know, moving forward now, I've, I've found that traction and this church was the, the first place that opened their arms and welcomed me and my family into this community down here in Mandra. So I'm very grateful. So good, so powerful to hear those stories. And I know we could literally just spend like the rest of today, like just getting people up to talk, um, to talk through about how God has impacted, um, impacted their lives. But uh, I used this scripture last week. And I just wanted to bring it again. This is a guy called Paul. Uh, speaking to uh, his apprentice in the faith, a guy called Timothy. It's 1 Timothy 1, 5 to 7. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And, and wherever you're at, maybe you're here for the first week and you're like, oh, maybe I should have come second week. Um, but but wherever, wherever you're at this morning, I want to encourage you to think back, what, what has God done in your life to bring you to this place, to, to bring you to this moment in time? You might be like, well, I was just being, because we hear this a, a decent amount, I've just been coming past this place and felt like maybe I should come in and I drove past and it looked like there was a party going on. So I'm like, hey, this is, this is, this is me. I, I, I'm here. What, what, whatever the case is, I want to encourage you that you are not here by accident. We believe that God has brought you here for such a time as this. And what we want to do now is we sort of, we sort of look back a bit. But now what we want to do for about the next 10 minutes is we want to, we want to look forward. We, 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 we want to say all glory to God for this last season, for how he has moved over these last five years. But Jesus is the one who builds his church. The Bible says that the gates of hell do not prevail against it. And so we want to look to the future and see what God has for us as individuals and also us as a church. As you've heard a couple of times today already, our word for the year as a church is more. It comes from Ephesians 3.20 which says, now to him, that's talking about God, who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. As a church this year, we're believing for more souls to be saved. We're believing for more people to come and step in who are, who are looking for community, who are missing purpose, who feel like they've just fallen through the cracks of life and saying, you know what, I, I found somewhere. People welcomed me. I, I found a home. I found a place where God has, has put something on the inside of my life. We're believing for more miracles, for more healing, for lives to be transformed by the power of God. But I, what I'd love us to do right now is I'd love us to look even further ahead. I'd love us to think about this phrase, imagine if. And you know, right now the, uh, the host team are actually going to hand out uh, a whole bunch of uh, flyers and things. You can, you can take one, take a pen. Rachel mentioned earlier um, that we're doing a time capsule. I know it sounds very, I feel like I'm 60 years old or something, or something. no offense to six-year-olds. You know, anyway, let's, let me dig myself out of that one for a second. All right, so we're doing a time capsule, which is exciting. And because we want to go, okay, when we open this in five years' time, 
on our 10th birthday, because that's, that's what we're going to celebrate next. We're like, we've done five birthdays. Let's have a bit of a break. Then the 10th, we're going we're gonna to make, make it a big one. And you'll see, um, you'll see on the form there, there's a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of fun uh, questions, some things about, you know, where you're from, what suburb you live in, um, you know, what your favorite song is right now. And so, you know, when we open it in 2029, we can all be like, oh, wow, Taylor Swift was so 2024, no one cares anymore, you know, what, or whatever um, you put on there. But today, I'd love us to think about this, this question, imagine if. And as you're looking through that, I'm not sure if you've uh, seen this before, but there's actually a board game which is called Imagine If. If we can flick that up there, yeah. And so the object of the game, the object of the game is that you have to guess how a person would, be, would respond in a situation. And so you put down all the players' names around this board thing, and then you pull out the cards, and it's something like, this is an example, we're actually going to do this for a second. And you say, imagine if someone... We're at work and a fire broke out. What do you think he or she would do? Would they save the boss? Would they save important files? Would they panic? Would they roast marshmallows? Would they destroy the evidence? Or would they organize the evacuation, right? So that's what you've got, that's what you've got to imagine. And then, and then it's a little bit like herd mentality. Like the most popular answer is the winner. So what we're going to do just for a moment, I know not everyone knows him that well, but we're just going to play it for fun. We're going to imagine that our youth pastor, Chris, because you always pick on the youth pastor. I was a youth pastor. I was picked on. So, you know, it's coming back. So we're going to say, imagine if Chris was at work. You, he works here a day a week. He also works as a chaplain at Mandra Baptist College, so you can choose the workplace in your brain. So imagine if Chris was at work and a fire broke out. What would Chris do? Would he save the boss? That's me, by the way, if he's here. <laughs> would he save important files? Does he know what important? Anyway, uh, would, he, would he panic? Always come. Uh, would he roast marshmallows? Would he destroy the evidence? Would he organize the evacuation? Okay, here we go, here we go. We're going to do hands up. Number one, who thinks that Chris would save the boss? <laughs> We're talking NBC, of course. All right, next, okay. Would he save important files? <laughs> okay, moving on. Would he panic? Ooh. Would he roast marshmallows? That's what I'm going with. Will you destroy the evidence? Also, possibly. <laughs> Will you organize the evacuation? A couple. All right. So, by herd mentality, winner, roast the marshmallows is the winner. Let's thank Chris for playing along. So good, right? Okay, but what we're going to do is we're going to use that same power of imagination. God gave it to you, it's a gift from God. Your dog doesn't have the power of imagination. Your cat definitely doesn't have the power of imagination. But, you know, as human beings, we are given this gift of imagination. And we're going to use that to imagine what these next five years might look like if we saw God move again. Come on, imagine if in the year 2029, like I said, when we open uh, our, uh, our time capsule at our 10-year Elevation Mandra birthday. Imagine if we weren't just celebrating this location. Imagine if we were celebrating multiple churches that had been birthed out of this place. 
Imagine if even right now, even though it may not be the highlands of PNG, but imagine if right now, even as I'm speaking, that God was moving on hearts, that he was giving dream and vision and future to maybe uh, future church pastors or church planters that are literally sitting here. Maybe they're not even old enough to drive yet, but God is starting to put vision and dream in their lives. Maybe they're older and think, I'm past it. I could never do anything for God. I think I missed that boat when I was 18. But imagine if God spoke again through dream and vision and started to plant a seed in people's hearts. Imagine if God continues to grow our church. What impact could we have over these next five years? Imagine if Revival was poured out in our city. What would the impact be like? What would the change be? What would we, how would the city of Mandra look different if God poured out his spirit uh, in wave after wave after wave over people's lives and over this community? What would change? What would be different? And, and what about in our own lives? Imagine if over these next five years you fully surrendered your life to God. What, what change and transformation? Would you see? I'm not just talking about making a decision to follow Jesus. That's great. That's where we, it's a great place to start. We'll, we'll give people opportunity for that later on. But I'm talking about those lives, sorry, those areas of our lives untouched by God. The things that we often keep away from Him. The fears, the insecurities, the doubts, maybe the dreams or desires that we think, oh, God could never move like that. I could, I could never really believe for that to happen. Imagine if we let go of trying to control those areas or let go of having a mask up pretending that everything was fine and we actually surrendered our lives to God and let him fully in. Come on, what would, what would your life look like in five years' time? What would, what would my life look like in five years' time? You see, this phrase, imagine if, may not sound that spiritual right away, but, but I believe God wants to lift our vision and dreaming. He, he did that in the Bible with many people, but one person I want to show you quickly is a guy by the name of Abraham. And so we're about to step into Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, at chapter 15. And in this spot, Abraham is called Abram. God had a habit of changing people's names to reflect an inward transformation that, 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 is, that has happened and that's occurred in them. And so God had, had promised Abraham or Abram that his descendants would number the sand on the seashore. But where we're about to jump into, that was not his current reality. This is Genesis 15, 1 to 6. I'll read it. It'll be on the screen. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. And number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Where I want to place the emphasis this morning is verse 5 of that passage, because I believe that's what God's doing with us today. It says that God brought Abram or Abraham 
outside. Some translations will say outside the tent. Notice that it sounds like a very deliberate act by God. He, it says he, that's speaking about God being God, brought him, being Abraham, outside and said. Abraham didn't just wander outside. God didn't say, hey, since you're outside, let me show you something. He moved Abraham or Abram out of his current reality to show him a vision and a picture of the future. I believe today God wants to move us out of our current circumstances, look to the heavens, and take in a picture of the future that he has for all of us. You see, where Abraham was and what God had spoken, he was like, well, God, I've got no heir. The scriptures said that if something didn't change, his legacy would not go on to be, you know, in his flesh and bones. It would be probably, you know, the eldest male servant of the house. But God wasn't denying that fact. He wasn't denying the current situation. He was just showing Abraham something different. It was like God saying, hey, Abraham, imagine if the promise I have given you is actually going to take place. This is, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to look at. If the word I've spoken to is true about your descendants, and this is what it's actually going to, going to look like here. And so what I'd love us to do this morning is, metaphorically, I'd love us to just step outside the tent for a little bit. Will we just leave past disappointments behind? Will we need, leave maybe the negative thinking that's been handed down through our family of origin to us? Would we, will we let go of uh, skepticism, saying, yeah, that, that could never happen? Will we, would we step out of cynicism to say, oh, I don't know if that's really God. I don't think he could, he could work that way. You see, often we are good at believing for God to move in power for other people, but then we struggle to believe that he will move in power for our lives. Uh, come on, is there anyone similar like that, like me? Like sometimes we're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Yes, I'll believe for you. Yes, miracles in Jesus' name. And then in our own lives, we struggle with that. But God wants to move us out of the tent and say, let's look again. Imagine if God moves in your family like you've been believing for. And that marriage is restored or refired, or that family member comes back to Christ. Imagine if your son, daughter, brother, sister, mother, husband gets radically saved, and by this time next year, or in five years' time, or next week, or whatever, they're standing here with you, hands raised, saying, Yes, I believe in a house of miracles. Yes, I'm believing for move again. Imagine if that happens. Imagine if this church continues to grow and multiply. And God's provision is poured out so that our next building project, after done the one that we've nearly started out the back there, but imagine if the next one is that this wall goes out and this auditorium is expanded because I'm looking around and there's not that many spare seats at the moment, but we've got a call from God to see people come to Christ and to find life and to find abundance in God. Imagine if we continue to build our capacity to reach the community. And this building will continue to shine the light of Jesus Christ, not just on Sunday, but all throughout the week. What if there's people coming in and out all week at different programs and different situations? Imagine even if we're impacting families through maybe uh, childcare and different things from this property. Why? Because God is moving in this place. We want to keep looking to the vision God has for our own lives and also for this church. Let's not be happy with the status quo, but let's look to God who can do exceedingly, abundantly more. So as we wrap up, maybe Ben can come and join me uh, on, on the keys.
I know he's joining and I haven't even started the points, but trust me, I'm quick. I loaded the front end. It's all right. Don't worry. Okay, how, what, what, what do we need to do? How can we take responsibility for this? Uh, two simple thoughts. Number one is this, is we need a willingness to step outside. A willingness to step outside. Uh, growing up in our family, uh, m- vast majority of our holidays were, were camping. Do we have any campers here? A few? Great. Amazing. Um, I have a joke with my two young brothers. We can remember the one time we stayed at a hotel as kids were like, remember that one time? Remember that one time? Camping, camping's amazing, right? But it's just, you know, you get used to different things. Anyway, um, but if you were a camper as a kid or maybe right now, you might relate to this. And so it's nighttime, right? You're in your tent. It's quite comfortable, but you did drink a lot of hot chocolate right before you went to bed. So you really need the bathroom. Can you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Anyone can relate? So what do you do? I know you're like, why are we talking about this in church? Trust me, that's the point. But so, what, so what do you do? Do you, just, do you just hold it? It seems easier. Then you don't have to get out of the sleeping bag. You know, maybe it's a little bit scary outside in the, in, in the dark. What, what, what do you do? But you know that even though it might be more comfortable in the tent than outside the tent, it's going to be better if you go outside. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? For one, there's the sweet relief of using the bathroom. But second, I always remember this as a kid, out of the tent at night, there's the stars. Amazing. Amazing. Can I say, uh, it's a little bit of a crude analogy, I know, but can I say the same is true in our own lives? Is sometimes stepping out of our current situation we're in to allow God to stretch our dream is a little bit scary. It's the unknown. You know, like it's warmer in the tent, but yet it's still uncomfortable. So it's like, what, 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 what do I do? I'm, uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable where I am now. You know, something needs to happen, but it's scary outside in the bigger dream, in the God, what do you have for our lives, for our family, for my life, for, for, for our church? <laughs> Go away, Siri. Um, I said something that sounded like Siri. Sometimes I slur my S's, it's that. Anyway, we'll work on that. Bible says this, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lays ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Come on this morning, would we, would we commit to a willingness to step outside the tent. To say, this is where I am right now. Faith doesn't deny that fact. It just says, let's, God says, just let's take a step. I want to take you out. I want to show, I want to show you something bigger. Uh, uh, I want to show you where there can be breakthrough. We've been wrapped up in cycles of negative thinking or negative actions or addictions or whatever. It says, no, no, I can take you out to something. Let me show you something new. So we need a willingness to step outside. Number two is this. We need a commitment to look daily, not yearly. You see, I wonder why God chose to use the picture of the stars in the sky to remind Abraham of this promise. He could have used a stack of rocks that were right there. He could have used something. Hey, you're camping right here. Abraham, step out, look over this valley. It's going to be amazing. I wonder why he chose to use stars at night. 
And I think maybe one of the reasons could have been, could have been because they are always there and they are always available every single night. Every single night. You see, we need more than just one epic moment of hearing from God, even though that's important. And you know, you know me, like iCloud notes, I can pull up a bunch of them. But we, but we need more than one just moments of encounter with God. We need to daily or at least regularly place God's vision before our lives. We don't just step out of the tent to look at the stars once. We do it on Sunday night. Then we do it on Monday night. Then we do it on Tuesday, then Wednesday, then Thursday, then Friday. Then we're back to Sunday again. Then we do it again. Then we do it again. Then we do it again. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3. Maybe the rest of the band can come and join us. I love this in the um, message paraphrase. It says this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Come on this morning, church. For our church and for our lives as individuals, let's look up regularly. Regularly. Not just once, not just when we do the birthday celebration, not just when it's Vision Sunday, not just when it's you know, creating a vision board or doing 2024 goals or whatever, whatever you do, all those things are great. But before us again, God, okay, what have you said? What have you said to me? Okay, what promise am I believing for? I'm going to step out of my current situation. Again, I'm going to look up. God, you've said there'll be salvation in my family. I'm going to speak that out again. God, you said you're going to, you're going to move in my life and in my workplace. I feel stuck like I'm going nowhere. But God, no, no. You've said that you're going to move again, that you've got a place of influence and you've got a place of authority for me. Okay, uh, I'm struggling in finances, like cost of living. What's, what's going on? No, no. I'm going to step outside again, not just once, but daily. I'm going to say, God, you are my provider as I trust you. The Bible says that you are Jehovah Jireh. It means He is our provision. God, I will trust you no matter what my health seems like it's deteriorating. Now I'm going to step outside again and again. I'm going to say, God, I take that picture that you're a healer, that you can move supernaturally, that you can move in my situation or the person I'm praying for. You can bring healing and purpose. Okay, I'm going to look at that again and again and again. Let's allow God's dream and purpose to direct our lives. And you know what? Here's, here's the great thing as I wrap up. You don't have to be perfect. If you want encouragement around that, start reading at Genesis 15 and just keep going for a few chapters, right? If you know that, that portion of Scripture, Abraham messes up many times, many times. In fact, the next chapter over, maybe it's the next two. He's taking it into this promise of an area. He's taking it into his own hands and be like, well, this is, this is what's happening. And anyway, you can read the story there. We don't have time to jump in there. But that's what's amazing about the Bible is it shows us the reality of being human. I, I love that the Bible doesn't leave out the mess ups, the failures, the weird stuff. It keeps it in there. Why? Because we mess up because we fail. Yeah, we even do weird stuff sometimes as well and try and say it's God, but He leaves it in there to inspire us and go, you know what, this is, this is what's happening. And so all across this place, I'd love us just to stand together. Come on, we're going we're gonna to take a moment. Come on, we're going we're gonna to step outside 
the 10. So across this place, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Come on, maybe you need to do something physical to connect with God. Would you lift your hands?